from KQED. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamidra. And we're the hosts of The, the Cooler. Cooler. This month, we're preparing to say goodbye to the decade by revisiting some of the biggest bops and messiest flops that the music world had to offer. And we're going to be talking about why WAGs, that's wives and girlfriends, were in the news once more and throwing it back to a gentler time, the 2006 World Cup. And we're going to help one listener who's dealing with a futuristic relationship pickle. Carly, Jamidra, do you, you guys want to feel old and possibly suffer an existential crisis at the same time? Uh, that's every day. I was going to say, that's Wednesday. <laughs> every time Wednesday. someone tells me they were born in the 90s, I'm like, oh, yeah, nice. You're like, I'm spooked, and now I have to go cry <laughs> in the bathroom by myself. You know, I thought I wouldn't mind getting older. I mind the shit out of it, guys. <laughs> I really, it's not even like changing looks or anything. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I just, I'm old now. You're Jamie Lee Curtis in Freaky Friday, where she looks in a mirror and says, I look like the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> but it's okay. Lindsay Lohan's inside her. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So we digress a little bit, but there are only eight weeks left in this decade. Can you believe? I don't want to talk about Why it. would you remind me of that? So I know some of the people listening who own calendars are thinking, like, what is wrong with these people? Like, obviously, the decade's about to end. But for some reason, despite knowing what date and time it is, I hadn't really come to terms with the idea that the teens are almost finished dragging us through the absolute worst timeline. Because it feels like only yesterday when Gaga wore that meat dress, oh, yes. Kanye just signed up for a Twitter account, mm-hmm. imagine. Oh, my gosh. And he was funny. Keh dollar sign ha arrived on the scene, mm-hmm. also known as Kesha. But it's been a whole 10 years since all that happened, so that's wild. And what really hammered it home for me is when I saw the music blog Pitchfork put out a list of the best music of this past decade. And when I saw it pop up on my feed, I was like, wait, 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 it's already over? Like, what's going on? And then five new wrinkles cracked against my forehead and one of my knees creaked. Wow. <laughs> retinol, man. Ugh. you got to get that on that retinol train. I know. I've been told. I need a vitamin blend. So once I got over the paralyzing fact that we're all rapidly hurtling to our graves, I started thinking about the music of the past 10 years, the bops and the flops, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I thought it would be fun for us to nominate songs that we want to preserve for all eternity, maybe like send on a golden disc into space for aliens to find. Got it. And songs to throw into the fiery pits of hell, never to be heard again. So let's start with music that doesn't bring us joy anymore because... That's how Marie Kondo would want it. (laughs) What's a song you guys never want to hear again? You think it's the worst of the decade? Go for it. I could be here all day talking about songs and indeed things that I hate. Mm. I have no shortage of songs that I want to put in the bin. Blurred Lines? I mean, that's actively damaging that song. You mean the date rape anthem? The the date rape anthem. Mm -hmm. Another thing that was suggested to me was uh, Thrift Shop. Everyone liked it initially. Is this a Mar- um, Macklemore guy? Yeah, we let yeah, the genie out of that yeah. particular bottle, didn't we? <laughs> However, I had to settle on something. And after finding out that the Adele song that I wanted to nominate, Hometown Glory, was actually 2008 mm. and throwing a very small hissy fit in a Thai restaurant yeah. when I found that out, I decided, why not pick something from the worst people alive? Who are the band Coldplay? <laughs> oh. Okay, see, I am so conflicted because I love Coldplay, <gasps> but go ahead. 
I wish the listeners could see my face. Jimitra, are you kidding me? Am I on TV? Is there a camera in here? It's a it's a thing. It's like a weird little thing that I have. I actually don't. I can't look at you for the rest of the segment. <laughs> You're not going to like what okay, I have to say. Okay, what song is it then? Um, well, th- exactly what song indeed. I couldn't decide between the one with that monkey video, which I found out is called Adventure of a Lifetime, and another terrible song called Sky Full of Stars. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Continue, please. Emmanuel, can you just fly over, please? <laughs> Get on a jet plane and come and sort this feud out. I am on my way because someone needs to break you guys apart, but I also kind of want to hear... The point-counterpoint that you guys are about to do, Frost-Nixon, let's hear it. Okay, well, point, just listen to it. Okay, so here's the thing. I was dancing the entire time. She and was. I'll tell you why. Because this song, my kids and I, we do this rave thing. We have our own little personal raves, glow sticks and everything. In the minivan, in the house, at any time the beat drops, I'm like, go crazy! And then we just have like a thing. It's a thing. I have a sentimental relationship with this song. Yes. You know there are all these movies about someone who discovers they have a gift and then they start using the gift for evil instead of good. And you're meant to ruminate <laughs> on like, oh, what a what a great challenge it is to be given some. I think that Coldplay genuinely have a gift for writing hooks and music that burrows its way into your brain like the little eels in Wrath of Khan and stay there and eventually kill you. And I think they are using <laughs> their quote-unquote talents for evil instead of good and they must be stopped and ideally punished. That's my pick. I, I want it banished into the pit of Sarlacc forever. I don't want to hear that song ever again. It, it sounds and smells like Vegas. It sounds like walking across the floor of a casino. That song feels like the wind that you feel from a bunch of bros fist pumping. (laughs) Yeah, but that like whitely. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Well, because the rules of this segment are that whatever song is nominated by a host has to be thrown into the pit of hell. So sorry, Jameter, you don't get to have fun and like bond with your children anymore. You're going to have to find a different song. Exactly. (laughs) Sorry, Mesh. All right, well, I have a bunch of songs, and hopefully a few of these will hurt you all, and you'll also have to throw them in the pit. I am actively being vindictive and petty. So, uh, one, Uptown Funk has to die forever. Yes. Two, Happy by Pharrell. Ew. Does it make me happy? I never want to hear it again. Let's just let it go. And speaking of, Let It Go from Frozen as a parent needs to go forever. But the song that I am throwing into the pit of hell that I never, ever, ever ever, 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 ever want to hear again is Baby Shark Baby Yes! I knew it. Grandpa Shark Grandpa Shark Grandpa Shark So for those of you who aren't parents, just know that there are a million different remixes of this song. That is not the only one. The one that we've heard on the radio is the upbeat sort of Baby Shark song. It's annoying and it can die forever. Wow. Whoever wrote the song, I wish you nothing but the worst. You just gave so many children in this world PTSD for taking away their favorite <laughs> song. But I co-sign because it's awful. You know, I'm just happy that children listen to the cooler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going to unsubscribe now. My kids will probably hear this episode in the car and they'll be like, Mom, how dare you? <laughs> oh, man. You did, you actually, when you talk about Pharrell's Happy, you reminded me that the happy ripoff Can't Fight the Feeling by Justin Timberlake. 
that that one me. also is another one. It's like torturous me. for parents because it's it's an earworm. So kids love it. It's easy to remember and sing, and then you're just like, oh, so I'm stuck with this song forever. Jesus, mm. Emmanuel, how about you? I'm nominating three songs for the Ninth Circle of Hell because wow. that is where the treacherous things live. Oh, wait, one in the third, one in the sixth, and one in the ninth? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I did consider the sixth because that's for the wretched, but treachery is what's going on here, so that's the ninth. And so I thought you said the ratchet. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> both, both the ratchet and the wretched, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of the circle of hell. I want to be in it. Wow. So this first song is about miracles, and it's by a group of gentlemen called the Insane Clown Posse. Oh, no. And it goes no. something like this. No. Water, fire, air, and dirt. F***ing magnets. How do they work? And I don't want to talk to a scientist. Y'all mother flying and getting me pissed. Okay, uh, what? That, that's not real. That that must be like an Andy Samberg Lonely Island. Number one, I didn't even know the Insane Clown Posse was still around. I thought that was like a 90s, early 2000s thing. They're still making music. And my favorite lyric, which I played in that clip, is... Effing magnets. How do they work? And then he gets mad at the scientists. I don't want to talk to them. So it, Okay, so here's, wow. the, here's the thing. Is it, a, is it an ironic song? It's not. Or are they... Oh, okay. I think but this they is just wonderful because I'm now realizing that from one of my favorite movies ever, Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping, one of the songs is a parody of that. And I had no idea. Thanks, Whoa. Emmanuel. Yeah, you yeah. learn something every day. There's like a rainbow streaking above your head right now with like a star or whatever. For real. The track, These <laughs> the Are the Things in My know. Jeep. <laughs> Who knew? It's Insane Clown Posse. Okay, this next song is not Rebecca Black's Friday, but it does have something to do with that. So if you guys remember, that song was financed by this rich girl's dad, I guess, so that he could create a world where she would be deserving of a music video. But not mm. only can she not probably find her home state on a map, she also can't find the note. And wow. neither it, can these girls. Wow. <laughs> Too harsh? Wow. Just the shade is is so evident at this point. (laughs) Well, this group of humans, I can't call them a band because I'm not doing that. They're called Double Take, and there's these two rich girls riding around in a limo in L.A. They wanted to be pop stars for the day. And this song called Hot Problems, all about how problematic it is for hot people in the world, makes (laughs) Rebecca Black sound like Etta James. (laughs) Let's listen. (laughs) Hit us. Why oh why can't you see you all are just like me? We make mistakes and get in trouble. Now you know our hot girls struggle. Hot girls, we have problems too. We're just like you. Um, that's awful and terrible. Was that some kind of mistake or a joke? It's not a joke. Um, <laughs> they accidentally tripped into a sound booth. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to be a hot person, you guys. Exactly. JK, it's not. They're perfect. It's also hard to be tall. <laughs> yeah. Was Paris Hilton involved at all with this song? Because it sounds like I so wish, because Stars Are Blind is a bop. It really, it's a banger. And Taylor Swift stole the melody from it, and I put it on Twitter because I had to be the whistleblower for that because no one's talking you about did. it. You did. You did. Actually, while we're at it, let's just play how similar they are because, sorry, Taylor, I need to point it out when I hear it.
And my last offering to Lucifer is by a noted Jesus impersonator. Uh, he goes by Kanye West. Jesus, if you will. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> this song is about scooping up poop. Oh, Let's yeah. listen. Poopty, scoopty, scoopty, whoop. Poop, poop, scoopty, dee, whoop. Whoop dee dee scoop poop. Yeah. <laughs> Literally the worst thing I've ever heard. You know those moments when you're like, we've hit rock bottom, and then we find out there's so much more depth. <laughs> there was more to go. To fall. Yeah, just. Mm. This song is called Lift Yourself, and it does make me want to lift myself out of my chair, go find a screwdriver, and then stab it into my eardrums so I never hear anything again. Too much? <laughs> <laughs> no, great. Keep it. If, uh, if anything, not enough. So we've just done a service to incinerate all those terrible songs. But now let's cleanse our ears with some good music. What is a song from the past decade that you personally want to preserve for all time? So there are so many, and we've already discovered that I have questionable music tastes on this show, which is fine. (laughs) I I can live with that. One song that always makes me really happy, and I think, if I had to guess, I'll be playing it in 10 years from now, is a song by a group called Nico and Vince, Am I Wrong? Have you guys heard of it? Never heard of it. Makes me so happy every time I hear it. I'm just like I can dance, I can skip, and nothing else. Matters. I do know that one, and I always think it would be like the hardest round of a pub trivia night where it would be like, you know this song, but tell me who the <laughs> f- sang it. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. Jameter knows. Indeed. <laughs> well, she would win, wouldn't she? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you ever see me on Bart on the train and you see me like subtly rocking or dancing, I'm probably listening to this song. Good to know. Carly, what are you secretly listening to on Bart? Well, I thought long and hard about this, and I decided that I actually, I couldn't choose anything that was really dear to my heart because A, too hard to choose, and B, I will just beat myself up for choosing the wrong thing when I leave the studio. There's not a lot of new entries into the karaoke hall of fame, into the pantheon of songs that you're like, yes, that is going into my notes app. So the next time I've had two greyhounds at the karaoke bar, and I'm wondering what do I sing I consult the notes app and it's right there and the song that I must nominate because it has become my new karaoke jam can you guess what it is hmm um no maybe this will jog your memory It's Jealous by Nick Jonas. It's a karaoke bop. Would I ever want to listen to it outside of a bar? God, no. Why can I totally (laughs) see Carly performing this, though? Like, I see you walking up to the stage. Oh, oh, I do. Yeah, the the, the sing walk. And when when that beat drops, it's fantastic. I actually have witnessed this, and it's quite sensual. An experience, I would say. (laughs) Thank you for using that word, Emmanuel. Five stars, would watch again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Yeah, I I think it's a great karaoke song. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll actually think more deeply about the best song of the decade. That's way too hard. I can't answer that. Emmanuel, you got to give us yours. You took us down this whole crazy path. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like if I had to preserve something that really speaks to what human beings are capable of creating and like storytelling and music and all that stuff, I would pick something by Joanna Newsom. But <laughs> because this is a podcast and we don't have enough time to play like her 16 minute song, like you have to really listen to the whole thing to get the full brunt of it. I can't just play a s- snippet. So 
I'm going to go with something else that I think everyone can get on board with. It's a common denominator song in that everyone has feels when it comes on. Everyone trots to the dance floor and then I know feels what it lonely. Is. I know, you know what, what it's going to be. I know what it's going to be. I know what it's going to be. What is it? It's Robin dancing on my own. It is. Thank you so much. Yes! <laughs> I'm really glad you picked it because I was thinking of this one. It is such an adored song universally and sending it into the universe. I mean, we'll just make that more of a fact. And I just think aliens out there need to feel seen yes. just as much as we do. Yes. So like if one alien broke up with another one and then has to watch the other alien like hooking up with someone right in front of them and they're just dancing by themselves oh, in the corner, heartbreaking. Oh. they need an anthem just as we do. So that's what I would send on a golden disc out to Pluto, which is a planet. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> so now that we've memorialized and banished our top and bottom songs of the decade, let us take a moment to think about all that the 2010s have given us. Ooh. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Yeah, yes, it yeah, was. probably the last one. And somehow we managed to dance our way through it all. Onward, y'all. We're going to make it after all, I think. Mm. Folks, if I say the phrase Wagatha Christie, does this mean anything to you at all? Absolutely not. Ring any bells, Emmanuel? It doesn't, but I love it and I'm here for it. Oh, because you're a fan of um, uh, Murder on the Orient Express, right? (laughs) Obviously. I read it in ninth grade. Well, I read half of it. Don't tell my teacher. Uh, Don't tell me who dies and don't tell me who did it. But Wagatha Christie was the hashtag given to a little bit of drama this month, which I personally became obsessed with since it originated from my place of birth, the small island that is determined to destroy itself, both metaphorically and literally, Britain. (laughs) A wag is a wife and girlfriend, and it was a term coined to discuss partners of soccer players. And so we have many famous wags in the UK, and two very famous ones are called Colleen Rooney, the wife of Wayne Rooney, a football Mm. player, and another one is called Rebecca Vardy. That's Rebecca with a K, married to a guy called Jamie Vardy, who is also a football player. Mm. Anyway, long story short, it turned out that Colleen Rooney had discovered through a little bit of Instagram sleuthing that the person who had been selling stories on her to the British tabloids for literally years was none other than her friend and compatriot, Rebecca Vardy. (gasps) And she unleashes so great, right? So she unleashes this information via the time honored literary tradition of the screenshot of the notes app. Oh. Yeah, why not? Basically, she created Instagram stories that were only destined to be seen by one person, and that was Rebecca Vardy, because she had 
sort of assumed that Rebecca Vardy was the person selling the stories on her. So she does these fake Instagram stories about outlandish, ludicrous topics, right? Like saying that Colleen wants to go and get her baby's gender selected in Mexico, or that she wants to go back on TV, or that her basement has flooded in her house. So she sets some bait. She sets the bait, she sets the trap, and Rebecca Vardy walks right into it. Because every time she puts on some bollocks on Instagram story, it then appears in the British tabloids. Wow. So on her notes app the story unfolds and then at the bottom she writes guys ellipsis it's rebecca vardy's account <laughs> so that part felt like the ending of a m night shamalama ding dong movie did not see it coming shamalama ding dong i'm just i'm done <laughs> yes that's trademarked that's his <laughs> real god-given name an astonishing ellipsis it's the ellipsis heard around the world and quite frankly people got obsessed with this because these people are very famous Colleen Rooney in particular has actually been with this footballer Wayne Rooney for years since she was a, a literal child um, mm. like what? in her early teens yep <laughs> that's the thing about British football is they often tend to marry their childhood sweethearts and then cheat on them repeatedly and I need to ask you guys I am a US sports ignoramus who would the American equivalents be here like would this be like finding that Ooh. Aisha Curry found out I can't even think of another. I can, I can. Okay, go, go, go. go. Okay, I know like a little bit about sports because I always bandwagon when, you know, the Warriors are in the finals or whatever. (laughs) Here are some people that maybe could fight with Aisha Curry. Eva Longoria dates Tony Parker, I think. Lala Anthony. That's a good one. J-Lo, as we know. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's uh, A-Rod, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. calling J-Lo a wag is a... I mean, yeah, that's rude. Yeah. He, yeah, that's rude. He's a... Uh, wait, so what would the... It would be H-A-B, hab, husband and mm. boyfriend. Very true, very true. Wow. Like Jennifer Aniston's ex-husband. Mm-hmm. Yes. Perennially referred to on the show. Exactly. And also, I think because men can also be very messy, Alexis Ohanian could get into a feud with any of these women. Giselle, ah. all of them. I will tell you, based on how I've seen him behave in the press with the t-shirts and the trolling, he, he's up for it. And we're team him because he's usually on the right side. Just saying. Yeah, he is. Can I just point out, for a man that professes not to know a great deal about sports, you seem to have a lot of names on the tip of your tongue there. Pretty much. The only one I could think of was Gabrielle Union, but she's above all that. Oh, yeah. She has no time. Hmm. Anyway, this feud, this wonderful, juicy drama is reminding me of how A, the term wag got coined. Because I remember like back in the UK, it was a big thing that we suddenly started calling these women wags. And what a fascinating time to be alive in the UK that was. So, guys, I want you to quickly come back with me to the year that Pluto stopped being a planet. Stop. I don't want to think about that. (laughs) Saddam Hussein got executed. And everyone kept saying, my wife, when Borat was released. Yes. Oh, gosh. It's 2006, guys. Come back. Are you feeling it? You really took me there. Are you feeling those pre-recession vibes? I am. You feeling it? Yes. So this time, like, greed wasn't quite good still, but, like, gaudy was good. You wanted to be gaudy as hell. And the tabloids, like, literally everywhere, but especially in Britain, they're totally at their peak. Also, 2006, the internet had not killed print magazines yet. Print magazines, cheaply printed, were wild. And who was selling those magazines? The spice that was posh. Your favorite, uh-huh. Emmanuel Victoria Beckham. Of course, married long time to David Beckham. I was trying to cast my mind back to this time because I was a young thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to be 
a wag. Like literally everyone. There was nothing wrong with aspiring to either that lifestyle where literally everything was handed to you on a plate or that look. You know, we talk about everyone looks the same on Instagram these yeah. days. This was the originator of that. So there was like a real Housewives precursor vibe going oh, on. Oh, for sure. Okay. Everyone was okay. fake tanned up to the eyeballs, caramel highlights. Everyone looked the same. I cannot stress how big this culture was. It was like unashamed capitalism, excess. (laughs) And also like this lack of class. Like, as I mentioned, often the partners of these football players would have known them from childhood and they'd grown up with them. So these weren't like posh women. These were kind of real women. They weren't aristocrats. Oh, so wait a minute. So then in that culture, you don't just like get rich and then get some cute new thing. You actually like bring your high school or your longtime girlfriend with you and then she sort of rises along. Okay. Well, you marry the high school sweetheart Hmm. and then you you sort of experiment with a variety of other people. But yeah, models, what we would call Instagram models now, uh, pop stars, like these are not posh ladies. There was even their own show, guys. Have you heard of Footballers Wives? I have not. (gasps) I need to watch this immediately. Okay, I have a treat for you. So this came out on British TV. Everyone was obsessed. The whole world's going to know what a psycho you really are. Yeah. And they'll know that you practically breastfed your own dog and then trained it to sit on my real baby. You are an unfit mother, Amber. Wait, what? that sounds like a like a soap opera. That's like an actual re- reality. What show? is well, even happening? Reality, no, this mm. this happily was a work of fiction, not, okay. not lightly fictionalized. But I think that clip, I think, is one of the the more plausible, <laughs> less ludicrous <laughs> clips. So this was huge. So by the time that the two thousand and six World Cup comes around, these women are total royalty. How much do you know about soccer, guys? Uh, that would be zero. I know that I played defense when I was younger and a ball hurtled into my face. And then there was that classic like coach comes over and says, you're going to get back in there. You're going to show them what's up. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm never playing this game again. So Good Lord. that's I mean, what that's I know. Because I thought you had a, a note from your doctor, Emmanuel, saying that you were not allowed to participate in any sports where balls flew at your face. Ooh, well, yeah. Thanks so much for the clueless reference. <laughs> I live for them. It keeps me young. Um, so thanks so much. <laughs> So anyway, Soccer World Cup 2006, it is held in this sleepy German spa town called Baden-Baden. And David Beckham is on the England team and he persuades the England manager that the wags have to come. He says it'll be good for the players, it'll be good for morale. And thus, this one flap of David Beckham's butterfly wings Hmm. begins a saga. These gals all accompany their guys to Germany and then... The press becomes obsessed. These women start living the life in a small town that is, quite frankly, not set up for them at all. It has like one <laughs> club, one hotel. And all the coverage is like half sneering, but it is half envious as well of the, like this pure excess that these women are leading. Like Victoria Beckham was rumored to have bought 60 pairs of sunglasses oh, I love on it. the trip. Yes. I love her commitment to protecting her retinas. Exactly. That's the thing. She employs sunglasses, but it says, yeah, look at me, please. So all of the coverage is wild. It talks about their habits of buying vodka Red Bulls, glasses of Moet flavored with strawberry syrup. And of course, they are buying a lot of stuff in this town. They're going shopping. The group goes out the day before the final group game and spend 57,000 pounds in just one hour. And Colleen Rooney, Ragatha Christie, she she goes up to one of the reporters and shows off 900 pounds worth of purchases. Oh. And she tells the reporter, I just went out for a walk and have come back with a few bits and pieces. <laughs> Listen. Um, can you do the rest of the accent. podcast like that, please? Just in that voice, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I actually recorded um, a dramatic reading of the Ragatha Christie note uh, in the Scouse accent, and I dared not put it on Twitter, lest it mm. was read to be a hate crime. Wow. <laughs> 
Carly, an educational <laughs> moment for the listeners. I just found this out because I've been watching Drag Race UK. Scouse means someone from Liverpool, right? It does indeed. Just like Melanie C. Sporty Spice. Just mm. like the Beatles. Oh, them too. <laughs> yes. And so reporters are trying to infiltrate the group. Apparently this one report, this female reporter dresses herself up like a wag and she follows the group like at the back um, when they go out to a theme park for the day. How awkward would that be if you're just like tailing on the back? Yeah. Anyway, they spot her. They, they know that she's not the real deal. And apparently she is told some of the other girls will try and rip your hair extensions out. Okay. I kind of love them. All things must end. Oh. England do not win the World Cup. The wags cry. And everyone goes home and this whirlwind suddenly comes to an end. But if you ask any British person around my age about the 2006 World Cup and what the wags got up to in Baden-Baden, it is like imprinted on their memories. And the thing that sticks out to me is now how tame that all is. Like oh, there's yeah. no story there. I was looking at it thinking there must have been something crazy these women did apart from spending a bunch of money and having a bunch of fun. No. So no one's extensions got ripped out. No, no. dramatic okay. cat fights. Yeah, this isn't scandalous. This isn't Ryan Lochte faking his own near-death experience. Oh my God. Yeah, that was, I forgot all about that. Hi, Ryan. This is just a like pre-recessionary tale of a bunch of women going on holiday together, covered in fake tan and buying champagne in Germany. And it's like before flaunting your wealth became like gauche and before that was seen to be like anti-feminist to live off a man's money. And the funny thing that strikes me is that the wags are still around. Obviously, we had the Wagatha Christie scandal this month. If you're wondering why British Twitter went so insane for the Wagatha Christie scandal, it is because it reminded us of this good old-fashioned wag drama and the way that early aughts celebrity worked and how the press worked. And even if it was tacky as hell, I think there's some nostalgia there. So... I want to end with a question, guys. We have to make this into a movie, or at the very least, a TV adaptation. Oh, okay. Who is going to play Colleen Rooney, and who is going to play Rebecca Vardy? Oh. I have some ideas. Go ahead, Emmanuel. We already know who should play Colleen, because none other than Kira Knightley herself has said she wants to play her <laughs> in the movie. Yes! <laughs> so that's taken care of. So we've got it taken. And because Rebecca, with a K and an H at the end, is the villain in this, I would have said maybe Kate Beckinsale, but she's not worthy mm. of that. So I'm going to say Farah Abraham from Teen Mom because she kind of looks like her. Oh. You know what? How could I top that? <laughs> um. <laughs> Those are so deliciously bad. You see, when you do clownery, the clown comes back to bite and someone on a podcast says that Farah Abraham should play you in a biopic. So there you go. Well, be careful out there on the internet and on the football pitch. As you listeners know, we love hearing from you on our hotline, which is 415-553-2850. And we want to implement your voices in every episode from now on. So we're going to start now with a call from friend of the pod, Mia. Hi, Hi. Mia. Hey, girl. Hi, The Cooler. This is Mia calling in from San Francisco, and I'm so happy you guys are back. I'm calling because I have a question and I need some advice. I have been trying to deep dive into Star Wars. Um, my boyfriend is an avid Star Wars fan and we are sharing interests and it's pretty cool, but I'm feeling very lost. I've already messed up the order of the films. 
Um, I love how on your show, Emmanuel does such a great job breaking down historical stories that makes them seem relevant and fun and keep me really engaged. So I'm putting in a private personal request. If you could explain them to me, that would be great. And I'd also just love to hear if you guys have any stories where you have taken on a partner's interests and how that has gone. Love all of you. Bye. So can I start by saying, one, if you ask him for Star Wars advice, you came to the wrong place, honey, because I know nothing about that <laughs> series. So I cannot illuminate in that way. What I will say is that I have been in a relationship for a, quite a long time. My husband and I have been together for like, what, 10 years at this point? Lord. Damn. Um, and there have been times when he's been into stuff and I haven't been into stuff. There have been times when I've compromised and there have been times when I've been like, no way. So one of the times that I compromised, I think I've said this before on the podcast, when me and my husband first met, he was obsessed with The Wire. He had seen it like three or four times. And he would make references to Stringer Bell and like a couple of the characters. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And he was like, listen, if we're going to continue this relationship, I need you to watch this series. And this is back when Netflix was still mailing DVDs. So we would get the DVDs mailed and we'd watch them and we'd send them back. And it was a whole process that I had to go through, get indoctrinated to this show in order for our relationship to continue. And... Now I like the show, but it was like, okay, this is a thing for you. Of all the things to pick up from a partner, <laughs> I think The Wire is a fantastic one. That's so good. All I can think of is mushrooms. <laughs> Didn't used to like mushrooms. The drugs? Uh, actual just mushrooms. <laughs> I was just... going to say, what kind of confessions <laughs> are we doing? Because I was, I was not going to go down that road. Carla's getting but... candid. No, just actual, yeah, the, the vegetable, the mushroom. Didn't like them before. Rob really likes them. I started liking mushrooms. Mm. There you go. We weren't a mushroom family before. So do you think so. that your your taste buds like adapted? If you were like, oh, I love him Ooh. so much that my taste buds sort of like made some sort of genetic shift? I think that my family just didn't use mushrooms. <laughs> I mean, my family are very particular. Like we don't like microwaves. We don't like mushrooms. Things beginning with M uh-huh. usually. But yeah, I think I just hadn't had the opportunity to have mushrooms. You know, your mushroom is my avocado. I didn't eat avocados. Mm. Like I would eat guacamole, but I didn't eat avocado. That wasn't a thing. When I was growing up, my mom was like, yeah, money is tight and I'm not buying that. Well, I mm. I get behind that. And so it wasn't until I met him that I got on the avocado train. And now here I am. I am a classic millennial eating (laughs) avocado toast. (laughs) For every single meal. And that's why you can't buy a home. But you did. So (laughs) take that, studies. How about you, Emmanuel? So when I was growing up, I was a TRL watcher, very into pop music, not super indie, except for like, if you count the fact that I had a bumper sticker of Incubus on my car, like, let's not talk about it. I was not as artistic as I am now. And part of that was this horrendous boy that I dated did bring something great into my life, which is (laughs) he really liked this person named Bjork. And I was like, she's weird. I don't get it. She's screeching, not into it. And then I listened more because I was dating the guy and wanted us to have things in common. And now I love Bjork. And that was the entree into me loving Kate Bush, Joanna Newsom, and all of these other weird kind of witchy ladies. So I'm thankful for that. But there are also other times where, like, he tried to get me into this, like, noise rock thing. I went to this concert, and it sounded like someone was just, like, clanging a pot. Was it the Insane Clown Posse? It was not, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) So it can go either way. I think in terms of, like, adapting your interests for your partner, it's good to, like, throw them a bone and try to be into what they like. But it's also important to just draw the line if you don't like it, because as long as you guys agree on the, like, big things, like, Everyone should have civil rights and things like that. I think it's all good and it's all in the wash. 
you don't have to share every interest because that would be like dating yourself. And who wants to date themselves? That's creepy. Yeah. Mm. It sounds like one of you <laughs> wants to date yourselves. <laughs> oh, I, it, I had a moment when I was just like, I do. sometimes I do ask my husband, why can't he be more like me? Uh, yeah, oh. I think I'm a catch. <laughs> <laughs> so I take it back. You guys do want to date yourselves. I like yeah, the self-love sure. going on. I mean, and also let's get to Mia's other question about Star Wars. Oh. A new Star Wars movie is coming out. The trailer just dropped. And there's so much of an outpouring of emotion around this trailer where people would tweet that they were watching it and crying. They were sitting there with big smiles and tears on their faces just because they were so ecstatic because it's the final movie in the series. And I felt nothing. Yeah, no, I didn't even know a trailer <laughs> dropped. This is the first I've heard of the trailer. I like a bit of Star Wars. I'll watch it. I'm a Star Trek girl. Like, never the twain shall meet. You're either one or the other. You can't be both. That's the way life works. And mm-hmm. it just, it leaves me cold. And I just, I wonder whether I'm missing, um, in Jennifer Aniston's words, a sensitivity chip mm. to to Star Wars. I just, I wonder. You know, I have a confession to make. I don't know if I've ever admitted it, but I'm going to admit it on this podcast to be recorded for forever. Posterity. I often confuse Star Wars and Star Trek. I've done it, and people are super offended by it. As if the Coldplay <laughs> thing wasn't bad enough. Oh, my God. This is the last episode of this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to get you for your birthday a Star Wars T-shirt that says Star Trek on it, just to watch people freak out. I love that. Well, we still need to help Mia pretend to like Star Wars, so I've created a pretty brief overview of the 70s movies and the more recent ones. The 90s ones with Jar Jar Binks and all that struggle acting from Natalie Portman. No, you Jar Jar Binks, can we just forget? Can we forget Jar Jar Binks ever happened? Yeah, Jar Jar me thinks not. Oh, I just wish she'd done it in the Jackie O accent. That would have been great. I'm sad you guys didn't laugh at my joke. Jar Jar me thinks not? No, that was good. It was great. It was one of those jokes that you go, huh. It's one of the ones you got to think about. Yeah, no, you ingest right. it and then you don't go, huh. <laughs> you're going to be in the bath later tonight and then just crack up laughing because yeah. you're like, you know what? That was funny. Oh, dude, I'm going to be on a plane later tonight and I will crack up laughing because mm-hmm. I will be emotionally heightened and drunk. Oh, wow. And then the air marshal or whatever will do something about it. For yeah. sure. Well, Carly will be in her Snuggie and moisturize. We've seen her t- travel tips. I will be you the bird it. in my cage. Look them up. Vaseline up the nose. Mm-hmm. That's the trick. It works. You can laugh all you want. Okay, here it goes. In a galaxy far, far away, a long time ago or whatever, there was this dude named Luke who lived on this dusty-ass planet. Are you there? Do you see it? I see it. Okay. So his life was pretty boring until these evil dudes in tasteful monochromatic white suits show up, and they set his uncle and aunt on fire. Oh, oh. At least they were wearing tasteful monochromatic. Right. Yes. Um, So they have zero chill. And another kink of theirs is to blow up planets full of people just because... So there's a resistance to all this, obviously, and Luke vows to get revenge. So he joins the resistance and meets the Luke Perry of that particular universe, Han Solo, and mm. his sidekick, Chewbacca, who has a really impressive lace front. Mm-hmm. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, people would <laughs> okay, kill that, for that. That one's good. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. So they all stumble upon this, like, really impressive full moon, and they start charging their crystals and setting intentions until they realize, hold up, that's not a moon. That's a big evil spaceship that is impenetrable and cannot be destroyed. Oh, <gasps> shit. So Luke, who just learned how to fly a jet, somehow manages to find a weakness in the ship and obliterates it. And he turns to the camera and says this. 
What, like it's hard? (laughs) (laughs) There's a Reese Witherspoon quote for everything. God, I'd rather watch that than this. So in the process of blowing up the ship, he saves Princess Leia, and both she and Luke seem DTF, which is very gross because they eventually find out they're twins. Oh, I hate it when that happens. Ugh. Although you guys like dating yourselves, so it might not be the worst thing. True, true. I'll take it back. Not twin, technically, just clone. (laughs) Okay. Well, there is a movie in Star Wars, I think, called The Clone Wars or something. So there's something for everyone. Another shocking revelation follows when, on a very special episode of Mari, Darth Vader cuts off Luke's hand and then says, I am the father. Mm. And Luke does not handle this well. No! No! Ooh. Then he, like, flings himself off a balcony and wants to commit suicide, but he gets, like, sucked into this vent and he survives, and it's ridiculous. Fighting, 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 laser beams, a bunch of, you know, things happen. We'll just skip, like, two movies because no one really cares. So, fast forward, and Princess Leia gets recaptured, this time by a sentient boil called Jabba the Hutt, who is the Harvey Weinstein of the Star Wars universe. Oh. So, (laughs) too soon? Too soon. (laughs) Too soon. So, Jabba Weinstein forces Leia to wear a bikini, and this is the look that 98.8% of straight boy nerds out there spent their puberties fantasizing about. Also, at least one serial killer, I'll, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's that, a backstory that's, that's to that? That's the thing. That's the thing. Ah. So Jabba Weinstein is eventually popped like an abscess on Dr. Pimple. He is taken out of the equation. And if you just like cute things, you could just fast forward to the third movie, Return of the Jedi, because that's when we get to the important stuff, which is meeting Teddy Ruxpin's cuter, wilder, more badass cousins, the Ewoks. I fully support their faces. They're just the cutest. They look like Pomeranians. Yeah. So more fighting ensues. Eventually, there's a death match between Darth Vader's boss and Luke. Luke is being electrocuted harder than Benjamin Franklin's key on that kite that one time. Mm-hmm. And when he cries out to Darth, he's like, Dad, you never took me fishing and you chopped off my hand, which is deeply uncool. But things can be chill between us if you karate chop your boss and help me out. So the little bit of good inside Darth Vader kicks in and he throws his boss off a balcony to his death. Way to go, Darth Vader. We love that. Then he takes off his iconic headwear and reveals his face, which looks like a cross between a vitamin D deficient Billy Joel and (laughs) Humpty Dumpty after his fall. Are you picturing it? I I have a lot. It's in my head. Yeah, there's a vision there. Can I just say this is very brave, slamming not only Star Wars, but Billy Joel. Do you want the entire Northeastern Corridor to come for us? I thought you were going to say slamming Humpty Dumpty. (laughs) He is a classic story. No, he's problematic. (laughs) So Darth Vader is there in all his Billy Joel Humpty Dumpty-ness, and he looks at Luke and says something like, I love you. Okay, bye. And then he promptly dies, and the good guys win. So that's the end of the 70s movies. All you need to know about the new movies is that Adam Driver, a.k.a. Lena Dunham's love-to-hate-him boyfriend from Girls, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. takes off his shirt at least once. That's enough to get you through it. The end. Good luck, Mia. Uh, This Cliff's Note version is really helpful. Hopefully it'll help me. I'm just going to reference this every time somebody asks me about Star Wars. So thank you. (laughs) I just saved a lot of people at least 15 hours of their lives if they're not that interested in Star Wars. This is what you need to know. Ewoks are cute. Jabba Weinstein. Billy Joel. Without vitamin D. There was a Maury moment. Like, I just, I took all I took all that in. <laughs> I would urge the listeners, though, if they're listening to this and hearing their, like, blood rise because they love Star Wars, please tweet us and tell us what we're missing. There must be something. Like, I know the plot of Star Wars. I've seen all the movies. I still just, 
I don't get it. It doesn't connect with me. But if someone came for Star Trek, I'd eat their face. Mm-hmm. So please tweet me at Teacup in the Bay. Tweet Jamida at, oh, at no, not Jamida not Jamida says. Oh, don't yeah, yeah. Tweet, okay, tweet, don't, tweet don't do Carly. that. <laughs> <And> tell her. <laughs> you know, just do it to me at Teacup in the Bay because I really want to know. Genuinely, help me help you. Or you could call into the hotline and That's be on true. our next episode. And that goes for the people out there who also need relationship advice or have a question or have a topic they want us to tackle in the next episode. That number again is 415-553-2850. Can't wait to hear from y'all. Make our hotline bling. Love you. It's the Vegan and the Pick. Hey, the Vegan and the Pick. Hey! You know what that song means. It's time for us to look at the highs and lows of pop culture in the past month. Jameter, why don't you start? You know, I'm just going to start with California. I'm just going to say that right now. Just right there. So when we talk about pop culture, I'm going to talk about the culture that is popping for me right now. And it's that I am pissed off at California at the moment. So those of you who don't live in the state, like Emmanuel, hmm. <laughs> convenient, uh, eh? Convenient. All the stuff happening once he leaves. All the stuff happening. When, I think Emmanuel put a hex on us once he flew out, but okay. Here's the thing. You need to know when to leave a party, like right before it starts getting <laughs> sale. And I felt True. it, and I left. Leave you know, when you're having fun. So for those who don't know or who haven't been keeping up with the news, basically California's been dealing with power outages. But not just any old power outages, planned power outages. So our, our local company here, PG&E, um, had been in a bit of a hot water the last couple years because because there have been, they've been sued for being responsible for explosions, huh? Uh, fires, huh? Uh, and so the approach that they've taken this year is not necessarily to fix the infrastructure, but to shut off power strategically to prevent dangerous incidents, which I can respect. But it begs the question, what's been going on with all that money you guys have been getting for years? So in addition to dealing with wildfires, which is something that we've been dealing with for quite some time, hello, climate change, Mm -hmm. we're also dealing with having our power shut off. And so we've got another one happening this week, and it's just really frustrating. So my pit of the month this month is PG&E in California. Let's get it together. And I'm not the only one who feels this way. Take a listen to what our own governor had to say about it. I must confess, it is infuriating beyond words as it relates to PG&E. It's about dog-eat-dog capitalism. It's about corporate greed. It's about decades of mismanagement. It's about focusing on shareholders and dividends over you and members of the public. And they need to be held accountable. I don't think they get it, but they're about to get it. Why did I expect to hear Arnold Schwarzenegger's (laughs) voice just then? Get to the chopper! (laughs) No, he was so... Yesterday, <laughs> he is so 2000 and late. <laughs> All right, Fergie. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Carly? Oh, I got a big old pit this month, and it's something that just keeps coming back up. It will not die like a, a recurring throat infection. Ooh. I occasionally like to lurk on what is known as hashtag film Twitter, where people talk about movies in a really dorky way, and that's what I love doing. So I'm really annoyed at this trend of asking big, famous, old-school movie directors whether they like superhero movies or not. And then somehow being stunned when Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola and Ken Loach are like, you know, 
they're not for me. I think they're a bit silly. Yeah, that's not a thing. And this debate will not die about people slamming these iconic directors because they don't like Marvel movies and the Marvel Universe. It's really getting my goat because it's causing an internal conflict with me between the part of me that really doesn't like Marvel and really doesn't like superhero movies and thinks that they're doing some kind of active deadening of the culture and sucking up a lot of the resources that more interesting films need to get made. Tell us how you really feel, girl. And then there's this other part of me that thinks, let people like what they like. So, I'm conflicted. It just keeps coming back up. Every day, another director is being asked, do you like Marvel movies? And then shockingly, they say, oh, kind of not. So I just want this to stop. Also, there's a guy who's much smarter than me, a film critic called Bill Jabiri, and he writes for Vulture. And he's done a great takedown of this whole thing and why you should actually care about it if you watch movies and like them. So don't listen to me. Go and read him. And that's the word. <laughs> there you go. The bird is, is the word. The word. Okay. So we know that reboots are all the rage and they are picking the bones of our 90s faves. I'm going to read you this synopsis of this new reboot that's coming out. And I'm offended. And I hope you guys are offended because this is wrong and we need to stop it. We need to take to the streets. This shall not stand. (laughs) This aggression will not stand. (laughs) Quote, written by some people who used to do Will and Grace. The new Clueless. A Mean Girls meets Riverdale meets Lizzo music video is also set in high school. It is described as a baby pink and bisexual blue, tinted, tiny sunglass-wearing, oat milk latte and Adderall-fueled look at what happens when the high school queen bee, Cher, disappears and her lifelong number two, Dion, steps into Cher's vacant Air Jordans. How does Dion deal with the pressures of being the new most popular girl in school, while also unraveling the mystery of what happened to her best friend, all in a setting that is uniquely 2020 L.A.? So can I just (sighs) say real quick, as somebody who works in marketing, that entire first paragraph was SEO. Like, they were like keywords. I was just like, you just just threw SEO all into the press release, but okay. (laughs) Googletrends.com. It really does feel like buzzwords from Twitter mashed together and then they just threw in the word clueless. Exactly. Ridiculous. Also, like, we've heard a lot about automation snatching jobs away from humans and how that's going to be an issue for us down the line. This is a true problem because, wow, a text generator bot definitely wrote yes. that and probably yeah. wrote the pilot. Mm-hmm. Haven't we suffered enough? Like, don't, do not drag Miss Geist into this mess. Like, I can't. As if. And making out that it's so innovative. People have been doing this for a long time, setting, like, noir plots in high school. Like, Riverdale, Brick, this is nothing new. Leave Clueless alone. There's already a show that's just like this called Pretty Little Liars. There's seven seasons. Go watch that. Like, (laughs) what the hell? Also, this whole, like, trend of turning things that we already know into, like, very dark teen things. Like, Sabrina makes sense. Archie Comics turned dark as Riverdale. Fine, I'll allow it. Whatever. Because the boys are cute. Nancy Drew, but dark. Mm. We're, like, starting to get into weird territory. What's next? Rugrats, but Tommy uses his diaper as a way to smuggle Oxy into daycare? I'm done. I can see it, actually. I mean, you're joking, but Daniel Kaluuya is working on this Barney remake. And I'm sorry, what? If yes. you care to read what he has said about it, <laughs> you will think that Daniel Kaluuya of Get Out fame has been kidnapped and put in a windowless cell and forced to write oh, those words and release gosh. them to the media. Mm. Okay. Don't do it, man. Also, a very quick pick because I can't help myself. Justin Timberlake. No. Didn't have that much success with his flannel, like, Caucasian party in the woods or whatever that none of us cared about. I forgot about that. So now he has said new music's coming and he has collaborated with Lizzo, 
SZA and Meek Mill because <laughs> when it's no longer profitable to pretend to be a Trump supporter, then you pretend to be black again. And I just have to say, the only back to black I need is Amy Winehouse's sophomore album. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Do not pass go, Justin Timberlake. No. Oh, just bad Timberlake. that I'm hoping that the people decline. I just I'm never until I get an official. Have we got an official acknowledgement about the Super Bowl? And his role? Nope. Okay. Well, I can't. You and I, it's a non-starter. And so. you know that he would never ask Rihanna. It's a no, <laughs> non-starter. Mm. Justin Timberlake, the human moral mushroom. He should just be blasted into space, along with those golden records that we decided. Great. Do we have happier things to share this week? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jamita, what made you happy this month? What made me happy is it's a bit of a mixed bag because I got some like mixed news, but it also made me feel very vindicated. As a child of the 80s and the 90s, I grew up listening to a lot of rap, a lot of hip hop, even though my mom didn't want me to. You know, I found a way. And I have to say that when the day, I remember very vividly the day that we found out that Tupac Shakur died. Mm -hmm. And so this week it made me really happy to know that Tupac Shakur is not dead. So I don't know if you guys heard these new re- news reports. Wait, is he still what? in Bakersfield? Well, for years people have asserted that Tupac Shakur wasn't dead and he was hiding maybe in Mexico, maybe, you know, somewhere tropical and beautiful, making raps, you know. He, he asked, you know, if heaven has a ghetto. Clearly it has a studio because he was making music after he died. However, there were reports that circulated earlier this week that a man named Tupac Shakur was arrested in Tennessee. Ooh, <laughs> last place I thought he'd go, to be yeah. honest. Last place I... So to be clear, this Tupac Shakur is not the same Tupac Shakur, but it just made me feel happy to know that there was a person named Tupac Shakur still out there. So a part of me wasn't wrong. Lovely. What did he get arrested for? We won't get into that. <laughs> oh, 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 does that make the fun story not yeah. very fun? Yeah. Okay. Um, peak of the month is, for me... I was not wrong, and Tupac is still alive in some capacity. Also, this might make you happy as well. Slow Burn Season 3 is about Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. You know I love a slow burn season, Mm -hmm. so I'm in. So he is alive in the podcast world and beyond. Exactly. He lives. What about you, Carly? Oh, my peak of the month is actually hyper-topical because it just happened after we're getting in the studio. But... I think that the reverberations will live on from this. Harvey Weinstein dared to show his face in New York at an event for young actors. And people obviously had some opinions about it when it happened. But it's so hard to actually put your money where your mouth is and literally stand up and scream someone down. And I have nothing but massive respect for these two women called Kelly Bachman and Amber Rollo. Kelly Bachman was the comic on stage who said, we got to talk about the elephant in the room. I didn't know that we have to bring our own maze and uh, rape whistles to Actors Hour. Oh. Oh. No? No? Shut up. No? Oh, shut up. Yeah. Surprisingly, by no one in this room, but um, I've never gotten to confront those guys, so just a general f you to whoever I. Uh, yes, girl! So that was her. And then a woman called Amber Rollo who heckled him and was ejected from the event. And the event organizers then posted some BS about keeping everything civil and respecting guests' privacy. So it's interesting whose privacy they prize. Harvey Weinstein is not someone that should be welcomed back into a moral society at any given point, let alone this soon. So shout out Amber, shout out Kelly, because my God, standing up and actually saying something about what you believe in is very difficult. And may you be an example to us all, ladies. Mm. Here, he, here, he. <laughs> so this is kind of a belated peak. I forgot to mention it last month, but I still think I need to mention this. So peak of the month goes out to the artiste 
who walked around one of the climate marches holding a homemade sign that read, Leonardo DiCaprio's girlfriends deserve a future. (laughs) And if we can't get behind that, I don't know what we can get behind. Also, to end on an inspirational note, Jason Momoa of Game of Thrones and Aquaman or whatever else he's Mm -hmm. been in. How can we forget? And he's married to Lisa Bonet. I mean, can we not just, we have to add that part also. Exactly. And that's what this inspirational peak is about. Because he had a crush on Lisa Bonet when he was eight. Didn't we all? And then he recently said in an interview, if someone says something is impossible, I'm like, listen here, I married Lisa Bonet. Anything is effing possible. Mm-hmm. So think about that next time you second guess yourself, like you're walking into a job interview or like second guessing yourself in any capacity. If Jason Momoa, who, I mean, is one of the hottest men on earth, so yeah. of course mm-hmm. he could end up with Lisa Bonet, but so can you. You can have the Lisa Bonet of your dreams or the job of your dreams, or whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, and I don't like to use this podcast frequently to fulfill my own sexual needs, but I would like to put it out there that if Lisa and Jason are looking for that mythical third, that unicorn oh, yes. that's not going to be any trouble afterwards, I'm right here at Teacup exactly. in the Bay. So just ask wow. yourself, what is your Lisa Bonet? That's it. That's, that's the question that I'll keep in my mind today. Oh, wow. So our song of the month is called Late Night Feelings. It's by Mark Ronson, who won an Oscar with Gaga last year for Stars Born stuff. Mm. He also is legendary for being the brother of Lindsay Lohan's ex-lesbian lover, Sam Ron. Samantha. Oh, such good times. Mm. So he has this new album out that he has different female vocalists on each song. And for this song, he got Licky Lee who is in my top three for depressed Swedes who still like to shake their ass. Crowded field. (laughs) It really is, because, like, number one is Robin, obviously. Number two is Karen Dreiser from The Knife, tied with the weirdo I am, am I, who am I. There's a ton of Swedes who like to shake the ass, just like Mystical asked them to. So this song has steel drum. I'm a sucker for that. Mm -hmm. It will make you feel like you're, like, roller skating around a rink, even if you've never roller skated before. And it's one of those songs where you start singing along before you're done with your first listen. It's just like catchy and like you've known it all along. So without further ado, this is Late Night Feelings by Mark Ronson and Licky Lee. thanks this month to our podcast papa David Marcus and Gabe Malie. And we can't forget to big up Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs for all this original music. And a shout out to Argo Studios in New York for making our long distance love affair possible. If you want to be featured in our hotline segment and a future episode, make our hotline bling by giving us a call at 415-553-2850. Until next month, you can find Jamidra at Jamidra Says. Emmanuel is at Excuse My Beauty with no E on Twitter and with the E on Instagram. And you can find Carly at Teacup in the Bay. Have a good November. Bye. Bye. Bye.